I think it's pretty much the most deeply and life-changing idea I've heard, and just like really practical and impl- you know you can implement it pretty much right now. What do you what do you feel about that, guys? Wow, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Okay, I want to go to the next point. Um, after that, I mean that. I mean, you could just you take take a deep breath after that. I just go. So we have the next point, which is going back to what we were discussing yesterday, which was exodus from Egypt and the impact on our daily lives. But before I do that, I just want to just welcome some of the people in our share who've kind of made the effort to attend. Um, we've got Barack Obama. Hi, hi, Mr. Obama. Um, yes, well, um, good to be here, Rabbi. Thank you. It's, it's nice to have you here. About time you learn something decent. Um, we've also got like. Um, some of the some of the most famous personalities. Uh, oh, yeah, we have stepping into it, um, a whoa, whoa. We've got um, we've got a uh, an NBA champion basketball player um, whose name is LeBron James. Say again, LeBron James. LeBron James is it? LeBron James actually joined us. And LeBron, how do you feel about uh, your participation in this uh, lesson today? Well, you know, uh, uh, was it good? <laughs> <laughs> well, David Alec is a star, and uh, it's not here. It's for his wife, no? That's the boy. That's the boy. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried really hard. I tried really hard to make this more entertaining for you. Barack Obama was over here. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's just Sorry. I just Zach basically botched it. He botched it, but okay. It was a good. Point. Yeah. You put, <coughs> you put a lot on his shoulders. I mean, the guy just walked in. Yeah, I agree with you. But then you shouldn't I have been late, should you? Killed it. Yeah, your mum should have been Bibi Net. Yeah, So what we spoke about yesterday was your Mitzrayim, and we we explained that it was there's this continuum that Pesach is not a standalone festival, and not only is it not standalone in as much as it's inextricably linked to Shavuos, and that is why Ryan, did you know that the festival of Sabuot doesn't have a date. I do not. You do not. Um, which is strange. Do you know why it doesn't have a date? Because it moves with the seasons. Well, well, but, but if you think about all the Jewish festivals, right? Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. They all got a date. Then the you know Sukkot's on the fifteenth of of um, Tishrei, and Yom Kippur's on the tenth, and Rosh Hashanah's on the first. Um, Pesach is on the 15th as well Shavuos doesn't have a date it's ne- it's, it doesn't fall on a particular day that's really strange mm. it could fall on the 5th of Sivan it could fall on the 6th it could fall on the 7th it's the only Jewish festival which doesn't have a date now if I would be an inquisitive Jewish scholar I'd be saying to myself hmm I wonder why that is there are people still still alive today Yaakov who still think they're, they're an endangered species mm. but I've, I've met a couple of them over the course of my years here they still think and when they're given a piece of information instead of either just dismissing it without thinking or blindly following it they actually consider it and they dwell in it those are the same kind of people that that aren't into the fast food industry within the world of intellectual reasoning and they go over to the rabbi and they say so rabbi why is this and then when the rabbi doesn't give them an answer on the spot they feel deeply deeply dissatisfied <laughs> uh, but, but you know I want the, you know, they feel that the rabbi is some kind of intellectual vending machine their question is a coin that they insert into his ear somewhere and then he'll blurt out the answer with his mouth so, so oh. when it's okay so when, when, when the approach to the study of deep wisdom um, is 
descends to that kind of level, one wonders if there's any hope. But then I look around, Yaakov, at people like you, and I see hope. Yes. I see in your eyes, and I feel the burning sensation in your heart, that the desire to know will allow you to live in a position of what's called suspended disbelief, which means the capacity to have a difficulty and just have a difficulty, and then just have the difficulty. And as you have the difficulty, like a small kernel, like a seed planted into fertile ground, it will grow until over the course of sometimes years, other times decades, it flourishes and grows into a rich and blossomed tree of deep-rooted meaning. Whereas those who are so quick to ask an answer, they digest the answer like they do fast food and it goes in and then out of the system so promptly, never affecting the deep fundamental change that wisdom should. So let's go back to our question. Why doesn't Shavuos have a date? Surely if it's a prescribed festival within the Jewish year, you should know when to celebrate it. The answer is you do know when to celebrate it. What you do is you attach it to Pesach and you measure the 50th day from Pesach and whenever that day is, 50 days later, regardless of what day of the month it falls, that's Shavuos. Symbolically, <laughs> symbolically, that means that there is an intrinsic, a symbiotic relationship between Shavuot and Pesach. And that Pesach is part one of Shavuot, which is part two. And that is because, that is because, Rachamim, that the notion of the birth of the Jewish people, the progression to the Mount Sinai and the receiving of the Torah are two inextricably linked components of what it means to be a Jew which cannot be separated by any way. Would you like to ask your question which I may or may not choose to answer? Um, if it's if Pesach is a fixed date and that's 50 days from Pesach apart from leap years why would the day of Shavuot change? Because the months in Hebrew since they are lunar and the lunar month is 29 and a half days yes. it means that every month has an option of being you can't have a month which is 29 and a half days because the day has to begin at night so you have an option whenever there's a, a lunar month to make it either 29 or 30 days so now if for example there were a series of months which were 29 days so then Shavuot would come out on the 5th of Sivan if they were 30 days it would come out on the sorry the other way around it would come out on, on the 7th if it were 30 days it would come out on the 7th and if it's one one of both it would come out on the 6th so it changes every year every month like the month theoretically it does since the calendar has been fixed it always comes out on the 6th of Sivan but that's just because we have a fixed calendar but were we to revert to sighting the moon which was a prescribed practice in the times of the Beis HaMikdash and even afterwards where the moon would be it's called Kiddush HaKadosh would be sanctified according to the testimony of witnesses who spotted it on the horizon so then it could go either way it could fluctuate from year to year so we have a fixed date today today we have a fixed date but that's just because of circumstances not fundamental now it's really interesting just to make a little bit more exciting 
I should have got my recorder. You're regretting it, eh? Yeah, I'm regretting. You can download it from the website. <laughs> Do you know about the website? The Obama was symbolic. No, I'm actually being quite serious. Why do you look at me as if I'm joking? Uh, I have no idea. Go to mindmovers.org and feast yourself on many shirim which have high quality banter and low quality content. Mindmovers.org? That's it. That's you? That's me. Oh, wow. Yes. At least we know now. Now you know. Okay. So, um, so what's even more peculiar is the Gemara says that David Amelech, David the king, was born on Shavuot. Oh boy. Oh, one second. David. Sheikh. David for sure had a birth date. <laughs> so you can't describe him as being born on Shavuot. You can describe him being on a date in Sivan. But you can't say he's born on Shavuot unless there's something also deeply meaningful about his birthday. Now, what a birthday means, conceptually speaking, is when this energy embodied in this human form entered into the world so when we speak about the birthday of David we're not referring to oh cute little baby being born everyone happy so much nice to the parents we talk about the koyach the power the energy that David contained and manifested came into the world on this day so there's obviously a correlation between the energy that David HaMelech had and Shavuot David Amelech describes himself in very strange terms. He uses a word, a quote from Psalms. <laughs> You've read Psalms? <laughs> <laughs> Your psychologist recommended it. So in Psalms. Isn't that a Pasuk? Oh, very bad. David Amelech. <laughs> David Amelech, David Amelech says, Vani Tefillah, and I am praying. David Amelech was the embodiment of prayer. Now that's a little bit awkward because Torah is seemingly the opposite to prayer. And if we receive David Amelech on Shavuos, it means that David Amelech with the Torah, we got David Amelech. Meaning, with the Torah, we got prayer. To make things slightly more exciting, David Amelech lived for 70 years. Adam and Adam lived for 930. What happened to the last 70 years of Adam Arishan's predicted thousand year lifespan? The Gemara says he took those last 70 years and he gave them to someone who would have been a miscarriage, and his name was David Amelech. So David HaMelech lived his life on a lease given to him by Adam. What in the world does that mean? Adam was man in ideal form. Man is in, in his ideal form. Adam HaRishon. But he was man in his ideal form perfectly created there's two versions of man Adam version number one David HaMelech version number two Adam represents man prior the fall 
David represents man after the fall. Adam was created perfect, but then he sinned. When he sinned, he engendered a whole new way of connecting to Hashem. Beforehand, it was quite simple. One decision, and he would have entered into eternal bliss and perfect paradise. When he did that, he created a reversal of the spiritual system set up until the entire world descended into a state of imperfection and only through myriad generations can it return to its perfect state which we anticipate heralded by the coming of the Messiah and then there will be a period of total destruction and then there will be a period of complete and total rectification which is called Olam Haba the world that will be similarly to parallel the redemption, destruction and recreation of the world human beings also mirror that process the soul is created perfect descends into a body and is given a small blink of time called life as we know it whereby the person is given the opportunity to earn an eternity once he's been given that opportunity he either uses or abuses it there's a fixed amount of time given to that what's called period of struggle in this temporal realm which we know as life it's this very narrow bridge this very narrow bridge (laughs) this very narrow bridge between the soul before it enters into the body and the soul after it leaves the body it's called life so the soul is injected into the body the body comes into this world and is given the task achieve perfection which you'll experience in its perfect sense only later after this period of time given to the person to strive in this world the body and the soul are separated the soul goes to a place called Olam Hanashamas, the place of souls and the body descends into the ground and disintegrates the reason for the body's disintegration is because the body is imperfect in order for it to be reformed it has to dissolve and then be recreated. In the meantime, the soul rests in a place called Olam Neshamas, and there there's two options, the good option and the not-so-good option. The good option is called Gan Eden, and the other option is the one we want to avoid, and that's why you should think carefully about the places you choose to frequent during your Bain Hazmanim. The option that you're trying to avoid is, is Gehenim. Um, that's where the soul goes and then what then what happens is the soul's there the soul's there and the soul goes through either achieving its reward or gain which is a rectification process in the meantime the world's continuing then the Mashiach comes then the heralds in a new a new a new era and then there's this great grand day of judgment where everyone's judged and then the world is has to also just like the body has to die the world in its physical sense has to dissolve and just like the body has to be rebuilt, the world has to be rebuilt. When the world is rebuilt, then there's a resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of the dead means then the soul is now injected into a perfect body which no longer fights the spiritual impulses of the soul but actually is in partnership with them. And that body exists for all eternity.
and that eternity and the body that's formed is based on the small period of time given to us as mortals called life whereby we can either etern, eternally earn a body which is strong, healthy, robust or Khalila earn a body which is crippled, wheelchair, maybe deaf and mute so being here and having to utilize our time with extreme care we create our eternal future but let's go back to what we were discussing before um, yes first Yaakov before we go back to David Yaakov we'll fetch a question from you yeah the book Derek Hashem says that uh, all, all souls go to Gehenna for a little bit right um, I, don't th- I don't recall him saying all souls but there's probably a likelihood that many most maybe souls will need some kind of purification process doesn't mean you know, there is a big difference between having you know having your teeth cleaned and root treatment so I'm just saying it's not like I'm, oh, anyone goes anyway who cares I, I didn't read the book I just was talking to someone at the yeshiva yeah. it could be as projecting yes <laughs> 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 um, what's the difference between the Gan Eden that you're talking about and the Rome where Adam lived um, the Gan Eden that I'm talking about is a place which is purely spiritual and there's no physical manifestation whereas Adam was in a real place in a real world why did they have the same name? that's a good question that's a good question I would imagine the reason is because there's there's a spiritual overlap between the experience of being in this place and the experience of being in that place what does Eden mean? Eden as far as I know is derived from the word which is related to pleasure and luxuriating so it's, it's, it's paradise probably would be a good way of translating it okay paradise and paradise and 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 gosh what no what's the word for hell with the P purgatory purgatory <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. I just wanted to be sound good from a. Talking about Gan Eden. Purgatory doesn't describe Gan Eden. Okay, fine. Yes. No, no, no. It's hell, hell, heaven and yes, hell. No. Okay, but again, we have to be very careful of using words like heaven and hell because people have got Christian associations. The Jewish, the Jewish approach is completely different. Um, when you think of hell, do not think of Hieronymus's Bosch's paintings, which uh, have angels roasting people on different kinds of skewers and the like um, Gehenna interesting enough the Ramchal writes was created by Hashem's kindness to give people that didn't utilize the chance they have in the best way to rectify what they can it comes from Chesed pure Chesed not having Gehenna would leave us in a way worse position so it's actually a, it's painful but good which is stum an interesting idea. Many people associate the notion of pain with bad. All pain is is sore. It's not bad. Many times people come to Yeshiva and they experience intense pain. Sore? Sore. 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 
<laughs> so many people experience many people come to Shiva and they experience intense pain why? because uh, in many different ways it could be that they've deprived of their creature comforts because they're used to living in, in normal habitable <laughs> conditions and now they're taken to, to the slums of Yeshiva world um, it could be because they've got they, they don't like the, the cuisine and I'm using that word very loosely. It could be that they that they feel that there's a need for them to have their own personal bathroom facilities, and um, it could be that they they don't like their roommates um, in the yeshiva. There are a group of people, and many of them are particularly obnoxious. And if you get stuck with one of them, so then that's purgatory um, on earth. So so that could be. Which, which again is sore. extremely painful. It's sore, but it's great. It's great. Meaning, because it hurts, doesn't mean it's bad. Jeremy will tell you that from his life experience, many things which have been deeply painful have actually been the most important and powerful lessons in his growth in life. Won't you, Jeremy? And I think we can all vouch for that. Zach is an athlete, realizes, and he's been drummed into his head from a very young age. No pain, no gain. Keep at it, rookie. <laughs> <laughs> not bad, hey? Not bad? <laughs> not bad, coach voice? <laughs> rookie. What would you like to say, Zach? Uh, I have a question. The Gehenim, do we hold that there's a separate Gehenim for Goem, though? So the whole, na- the whole eternal nature of what's called the nations of the world seemingly functions in, in a very different way. It's a different purpose and a different mechanism. Um, it's something which, which I don't feel qualified to go into. But the Gemara says, exactly how that manifests in Olam Haba and what kind of portion that means. So I think we have to delve more into that in a separate context, in a separate chair. Okay? Ronen. My question is, if you go through Gehenom, a Jewish soul, uh, why do you have a body like a crippled body afterwards when you get reincarnated? Because all Gehenim does is it gets rid of the muck. It doesn't make what wasn't there. Your mitzvahs create your body. Your veils destroy it. So it can get rid of the plaque, but it can't create an arm which wasn't there. And do you know how much muck you have? I can tell you if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> you have a muck uh, I've got a muckometer. <laughs> I've got a muckometer. Um, at this point in time, Yaakov, I would still advocate a little bit more chuva. Next. <laughs> Could Hashem not make Gehenna without the pain? Like, it would not be limiting him to say that he had to do it in a painful way. Uh, I don't know how to break this, Yerachmim, but no. <laughs> I, get, I get we have to come to this world to work because our souls, but why, why can't Gehenim just be like he just cleans our souls? And what so there's do. certain axioms that we call, that make perfect sense in our mind frame, and when you ask questions like that, you're trying to have a different system of thought, which is not familiar to us. So I, ca- I can't answer why systems of th- different systems of thought, which don't work according to the nature of cause and effect that I'm used to, work. Cause they do you understand the answer? Or, like, it's just we wouldn't get it. The only way I can explain it is that we, as human beings, have a intellectual capacity to view the world. And in that intellectual p- capacity, we've got thought structures which have cause and effect processes. So, for example, if I plant a seed, the seed will grow. Now, could it be that a seed could grow in thin air? 
It could be, but it would be a, a complete and total deviation from the, my perception of reality. In my perception of reality, in order for rectification to take place, just like when a person needs to have a, he has a diseased limb and it needs to be healed, in most medical procedures, pain is a prerequisite. So too, in the spiritual healing process, pain is a prerequisite. Now, if you'd like to go just a drop deeper as to what the nature of pain is, what you could describe pain is, pain is the, the, the feeling experienced when something which should be there is removed. For example, an arm. Very sore. You know, pain is an experience of emotional pain is experienced when a person that's close to you is taken away from you. Pain is always an experience of a connection which is removed. So, when a person goes to a place of truth and he's lived a life of falsehood, that life of falsehood has to be amputated from him. That's mighty, mighty painful. If it's hard to lose a limb, Imagine how hard it is to lose a personality. Why can Hashem just make it that we feel good when there's things? Say that question. That question. That question says, "Why couldn't Hashem have created a different reality to the one we're experiencing?" That's a question we can't ask. We have to. We have to do, deal with the parameters. Why couldn't it be that people, when they, it's. it's uh, I mean, I can ask you, answer you philosophically. Philosophically, it's because there's good and bad, and there's choice, and good choices have got good consequences, and bad choices have got bad consequences. So if your bad choices had good consequences, so then the whole system's on its face. So you say, well, why couldn't Hashem create a system which when you did good choices, it would be good, and when you did bad choices, it would also be good, and it would still be relevant to do bad choices and good choices. I can't think like that. My, my, my brain short circuits because I can't deal with that type of thinking. In, in the thinking that Hashem has given to me, He's given me a way of thinking. Now, could He have done otherwise? Yes. Why didn't He? I can't comprehend those thoughts. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, just rather than making the bad good, just make the bad neutral. So like, we can't appreciate anything we have in in this wo- in the next world unless we've earned it in this world. So we've let's say we've earned ten marks of good, and then the bad can just be knocked off, and you just get your good. Why does it have to be that you have to? Because then there's no real pain? consequences to 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 bad choices. So does that bad you chose badly? So what? Nothing. It's a torture. It's not torture. It's, it's healing. When a person goes for an operation because he's got a hip problem and he suffers incredible pain for the next, and he has to go for rehabilitation, it's not torture. It's healing. In order for the problem to be rectified, so there needs to be a, a, a cleansing of all the bad stuff that's there. In a way, like from the sounds of it, Gehenna is a pain like incomparable to anything in this world. So I mean, it's a bit extreme, you know, like burning the Yishama. Well, no, Yishama's not going to burn. The, the, there's different ways of describing the pain of Gehenna. Rav Desla describes it as the pain of regret. The way I've just described it is a sense of loss of self. An emotional pain. There's a lot to be spoken about. But generally, generally, the point that you have to keep foremost in your mind in order not to create a distorted focus in your Jewish practice is remember that everything Hashem does is for the good. And that even the pain is ultimately for the good. And the way I can experience it in my own life is I see that sometimes the most painful things 
in the areas which I've suffered have been the most productive things for me in my entire world. And actually, when I look back at the pain, I'm glad that it happened. I look back on the, uh, at the pain with fondness, not with regret. For example, it's painful, but when you actually break through it, the fact that there was pain actually makes the experience far more powerful. So, gentlemen, we never got on to properly defining what David Amalekh is doing with Shfuz and why did he take those last 70 years of his life and how does it connect to the model man 1, model man 2 and how does it then interconnect with prayer. So there's a lot of stuff which still needs to be discussed. Um, whether we will actually have a chance to discuss it or not um, is clear. We will not. <laughs> because think about this. Today is Monday. Right. Tomorrow is Rabbi Wasserman. Wednesday is something else. And Thursday, we could still have a share, but the chances are it's the last day of Zman, and I have a strong suspicion that if you all try, we could be here and wrap this up. Let's do it. Masa guys are going to be at the Dead Sea on Thursday. But Masa guys are going to be at the Dead Sea. So Let's do it. So those who are not Masa guys will have the advantage of mindmovers.org I'd just like to um, thank you all for attending today uh, all our special guests and I think it's really kind of you Bibi to come here and spend your time with us and uh, thank you all and I bid you farewell